It is entitled, Warning to Richer Presses. James chapter 5, 1 to 5. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. Well, welcome one and all. It's good to be with you again this morning to bring God's word and to share around that. Obviously, we're continuing our series of the Ten Commandments, working our way backwards from number 10 to number 1. And this morning, we're looking at the Eighth Commandment, Thou shalt not steal, or in modern terms, you shall not steal. And it's interesting, isn't it? When we consider you shall not steal, I wonder how many of you had this little voice inside your head say, well, that is not me. That doesn't relate to me at all, that I'm not part of what is going to be said this morning. And it's interesting that we have a tendency sometimes to close down uh, when we hear stuff that we don't believe relates to us. And in Scripture, there's many examples of the leaders of the law, you know, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and even the rich young ruler who, when Jesus spoke to them, they said that they kept the letter of the law to a T. They hadn't done anything that they could be considered to be rebuffed over or anything like that. And then Jesus, in just a few very simple words, actually turned that around and revealed to them that they had, in fact, failed at the very beginning. He showed that these people had missed the entire point of what had been said. It was a heart matter. It wasn't a matter of just upholding and keeping a whole heap of laws. It was about where their heart was in relationship to God and in relationship to man around them. So this morning... I'm just asking us to be honest. I'm just asking us to consider what scripture is actually saying. I'm asking us to ask, does this apply to me right now? Is there a word for me this morning? And then when we get to the end of what is said this morning, my desire is that we will take whatever steps are necessary to correct any behaviour that is against what God has actually said in his word and we will draw closer to him as a result. It's God who's going to point that out, no one else. It's going to be he who is doing that work in your heart and revealing things that you need to deal with. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your presence in this place this morning. Thank you for the truth of your word. It is an absolute truth, Lord. It's a truth we can depend upon and lean on. And so this morning, Lord, we ask for your revelation from that word. We ask that you will reveal to each one of us what you were saying to us as individuals, then to us as a people of God. We want to hear your voice. Soften our hearts, Lord. Make us willing to hear you. And help us submit to, to you and your authority this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So the, the verse that we're actually looking at this morning is Exodus 20:15. You shall not steal. And when we consider this command in light of who originally received it, it's interesting to look at what they would have actually heard when this was said. 
how they would have actually interpreted it. And when you look at Exodus's, Exodus chapters 21 and 22, it lays out in some detail some of the things that were originally considered to be stealing in that day and age. And I'm not sure what you think about when you read, you shall not steal, but certainly the people in the day would have thought about this. They would have thought about those who steal men and women and children and sell them off. Who had picked that? Uh, yeah. Okay, but but seriously, this is what they would have heard because that is what was actually happening in the day. People were being stolen and sold sold off and things like that. And so they're saying, don't steal any men. And then, of course, there's this one that we know about, the sheep or the oxen or livestock or anything like that. And we know that people were stealing those types of things for their own benefit and gain. And and they're also selling those off as well. So they're told not to do that. And then, of course, there was also the material possessions, the things that our neighbours owned that um, I wanted for myself. And seriously, when we look at what those things say in the Old Testament, most of us would be able to say, well, you know what? I haven't actually done any of those things. And that's great. But the reason for the command being given is to enforce the value and importance of ownership for all of us to actually value that. Items owned or used by our neighbours, things that belong to them are totally off limits. We are not to go there. And in some of the cases mentioned, if you were to go there in Old Testament times, you would be killed. That's how it was. And certainly the punishment was severe. If you took someone's sheep or oxen or something like that, you had to repay four times what you had actually taken. And the reason for this is that when stealing occurs, it threatens community. It builds distrust and trouble amongst that community. Think about our situation here at SDBC. I'm going to talk about something now that no one knows anything about as far as I know except the pastors and a few people involved in the office there. We have an honour system for our drinks here, the soft drinks in the fridge. Most of you possibly don't even know that we've got soft drinks there. Well, recently someone's been taking those soft drinks and they haven't been paying for them. Worse than that, someone's actually been taking the money from the soft drinks in the fridge. And there was a bit of a grumbling there. Do you feel a little bit insecure? Ladies, are you going to hold your handbags a little bit closer now? It's okay to laugh, that's fine. But seriously, that's what we're thinking, isn't it? And so you can see what, when it, when it comes into our community, we're like, wait a tick, that shouldn't be happening. This isn't right. And, and that's what's behind this law, thou shalt not steal. It creates this discomfort within our community. It makes us look over our shoulders and wonder, well, who is actually doing that? And how many of you have actually said, well, actually, I saw... Pastor Charlie, go to the fridge. Did he pay for his drink? And so this distrust builds. We start questioning anyone who may have been around the fridge at the time the money went missing or may have been around the fridge at the time some of those drinks went missing and did they put money in or were they just clinking what was already there? What does that do to us? And in the bigger scheme of things, if you're in a neighbourhood where all these houses are broken into, you start distrusting everyone around you. You start making sure your place is secure. It changes community. Where you once would have been having your front door open so people could come and enjoy time and fellowship with you, you start questioning, who should I be inviting into my home? And this is what is actually behind this command. We want to see community growing. We want to see people generous and reaching out. But when theft is in the midst of it, It creates big problems. So let's look at some of the broader 
context within Scripture and what is actually said. So there's, there's uh, five points I'm actually going to cover here, and they're going to be covered very, very quickly. So if you miss any of them, um, please come and see me. I'm more than happy to provide um, the information and detail that's here. So first and foremost, we realise that Jesus actually affirms the command, do not steal. When Jesus is speaking to that rich young ruler in Matthew 19, 6-22, he num- names a number of commands that he says the rich young ruler needs to obey. And in the midst of that is this command, thou shalt not steal. And the rich young man boldly proclaims, I've kept all these things from when I was a very young child. It was that outward showing and appearance and things like that. And in the middle of all of this, Again, he missed the heart of the matter. What Jesus was actually trying to say to this guy was, you know, it's about relationship. It's about you and I. It's about loving me. And what this guy actually loved more than Jesus was he loved his wealth. And so when Jesus said, sell all you have and give it away to the poor, he couldn't do that. He wasn't willing to. He failed to see that first and foremost, he should have been loving God. And if he loved God, everything else would have been held so loosely in his hands. When he was told to give it up, he would have just released it. And instead, he walked away from that meeting without salvation. We we overlooked that. He so loved his wealth and his possessions that he missed an opportunity of something with much greater value that was before him. The second thing is the seriousness of stealing. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11, Paul warns that those who steal forfeit eternal life. That's how seriously this is taken. And of course, there's always that opportunity to come back to God and repent. He's waiting with open arms for anyone who will admit their guilt and repent to him. And that means coming to Jesus and asking for that forgiveness. And more than that, repentance is turning away from that sin. We've spoken continuously about the new life we have in Christ. The new life we have in Christ doesn't allow stealing at all. And so when we come to our new life in Christ, we're putting to death our old self and we're saying, I'm going to live for Jesus And so if we are stealing and saying we confess a life of Christ, it it just doesn't match. And so we need to come back to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness and be determined with his help and guidance to not steal again. Those who refuse to do away with stealing will forfeit eternal life. That's what scripture says. The other thing that's enforced in scripture is that we should be satisfied with our wages. In Luke 3, Jesus is talking to the tax collectors and the soldiers. And these guys have just come to faith. This is absolutely fantastic. They believe what Jesus has been saying and they decide to follow him. And so they say to him, Lord, what, teacher, what should we do? What are you calling us to do? How do we live our lives now? And Jesus says to the tax collectors, don't collect any more than you're authorised to do so. Tax collectors were known for taking more and putting that in their own pocket. And Jesus says, don't do that anymore. Be satisfied with your wage. Only take what you're permitted to take. And then he says to the soldiers, likewise, don't extort money from people. Don't stand over them. Don't threaten those people or give them false accusations or anything like that. Just do your jobs and do them the way you're supposed to. The other thing that is upheld in scripture is that we need to respect the law of the land. And we must obey it. We have no choice in that. Romans 13 is Jesus telling the believers to submit to those who are in authority over them, the government. 
He says quite clearly to pay your taxes. Because these people in authority, the very government, even though they are not Christian men and women necessarily, have been put there by God to rule those lands. And so we need to submit to them. Scripture calls them ministers of God. And if we don't submit to them, we're not submitting to God because he says in his word that we have to. Think about that at tax time. And the final one here is we're called to repay our debts. Again, in Romans 3, 13.8, it says to owe no one anything except the debt of love to each other. If someone loans you money, pay it back. Don't go thinking you don't have to pay it. And to do so or not to pay it back is to steal from them. You've taken what is rightfully theirs, especially when they're so generously given it to you in the first place. All these things are from Scripture. All of them are principles that we can read throughout the Word. And I'm sure if we dug around, we'd be able to find a few more. And I'm wondering how that little voice inside your head's going. Is it still saying, that's not me? I, I actually don't have any of that in my life. I haven't committed any of those things. While I was researching this, I, I came across an interesting article in, on a website called Becoming Christians. And the article is entitled 10 Surprising Ways That We Steal Without Knowing It. Speaking to Christians, 10 surprising ways, oh sorry, it's 10 plus surprising ways we steal without knowing it. I've got to tell you, when I read this article, it really resonated with me and we're going to skip through these 10. And you, you consider what's actually being said here. And again, I'm not actually even going to put them up here because I'm going to skip through them and uh, you possibly won't get time to write them down. But again, ask me and I'm more than happy to give you that link or give you the information. The first one that they say is theft is actually not being punctual. How does that sit with you? Punctuality is about being on time. It just means to be in the place you say you're going to be at the time you say that you're going to be there. So... How does that make you a thief if you're not actually there on time? How does that work? And it actually says that you're stealing other people's time, especially if it's a group thing that you're going to and everyone else arrives on time and they've got to wait for you to arrive before they can start the thing that they're doing. So they say you are actually stealing their time. And that's time that many of us could spend with our family instead of sitting in an empty room waiting for someone else to arrive. It's time we could be doing something else more beneficial so be punctual. Don't steal people's time. The second one is slacking off at work. And I know none of us would actually do that, would we? You know, we're not necessarily stealing the office supplies or anything else from work. We're not necessarily taking the sickies when we're not actually sick. Please think about the example you're setting when you do that. But we're stealing something more important when we're slacking off at work. Your company or boss pays you an hourly rate. They charge that hourly rate out to anyone else who uses your services. And if you slacken off, if you're just goofing around on work hours, you're stealing precious time from your employer. You're stealing time that he can't charge out to anyone because he's allocated a set time and because you've decided to be slack. That time's never recuperated, never, never recovered. So slacking off at work. The other one which is... A bigger and bigger issue these days, I think, is watching pirated movies. 
for the older generation, that possibly doesn't mean too much. But the internet has just opened up this whole new world where we can watch the latest movies online without actually paying for them. We have this access to an incredible amount of information. And yeah, it's great to be able to do that because it costs you nothing. But neither does it pay the people who produce the movie. And they can't keep going that way. And there are actually laws in Australia that prevent us from actually doing that. So if you have any pirated movies at home, or you watch pirated movies online, stop it. It's stealing. That's what the law says, and that's what these guys have said. We also have that ability to download pirated software. How many of you have got a Windows application on your computer which you don't actually own the hardware for, or you didn't originally purchase from someone? Because again, it is rife. You can buy them, you can get them online for free, you can do all sorts of things to minimise the cost of that software. It's illegal. You have stolen something from someone. You have taken something without paying for it. You're not respecting the effort that has gone into actually producing that software and paying for it so more and more stuff can be produced as well. You're stealing work without paying for the service. Number five is not being grateful to God. We have all these blessings that are poured out upon us. 16 people being baptised last week. Yeah? I'm excited. How many of us have thanked God for that this week? That is, I saw one hand. Praise you, brother. Two hands. Will we start it? Two hands I see. Is there any more? Will you, ladies and gentlemen, any more hands, please? Two hands I see. But the thing is, are we genuinely grateful that God is doing such a work and a movement in this place and he's raising people up to be obedient followers of him that we are on our knees saying, thank you so much, God. That is such an incredible blessing that has come from your hand. Are we willing to acknowledge that God has poured these good gifts out upon us? It says that in James 1.17. And it should be God who gets the credit and the glory for it. All glory comes back to him. Every time we succeed in life, everything that happens, we should attribute and thank God for all our abilities, talents and gifts. And when we don't actually do that, we're stealing God's glory. We're taking it from him. When we achieve goals in our life, it's not because we are good. It's because God has been good to us and provided us that opportunity. And let us give the glory back to him. Let's not steal that from him. Number six is destroying other people's reputations. When we say bad things about people and spread gossip, we're stealing their reputation. Slander is another way of doing that. But we want to destroy that people, that person, just because we either want to look better or we want to elevate someone above them. And there's no real success in that. God's kingdom doesn't benefit. There's only one kingdom that does, and that's the kingdom that comes to seek and destroy. And we're no longer a part of that. Number seven is not returning borrowed items. Oh, this one drives me nuts. I've got this extensive library at home which has got about $1,000 of books missing. I'm very generous with borrowing them out. I went through my series, like a series. I've got six of those missing. They're expensive books. And I've just given them out to people I don't keep a record, but people aren't giving them back. If you borrow something, give it back. Don't allow 
that person to suffer because you've wanted to keep that item or you're just too slack. And now I've said that, I've got a confession to make. Um, Pastor Roger Delafontaine uh, put this thing in the bulletin back in Gladstone Baptist about these books that were missing. And I was, I was like terrified. How could anyone take the pastor's books and not give them up? Years later, we're packing our house to move to the Sunshine Coast and lo and behold, all those books were in my possession. <laughs> I don't even remember getting them off him, but there you go. You know, check your bookcases, check whatever, give them back. Return borrowed items. Telling lies. How's telling lies stealing? You steal the truth. You know, people need to and deserve to know the truth. And when we tell a lie or a part truth, we're stealing the absolute truth from them. We're providing a situation where they can't come to an accurate conclusion of what's being said because they don't have the truth. You've told them something that's simply dishonest. And you've sought to deceive or convince them to buy something or a point that's not relevant. You're trying to steal their trust. Salespeople do it all the time. It's hard to be an ethical salesperson, but we need to be. Number nine is not giving tithes to God. And maybe the highest form of stealing is robbing from God. Malachi 3, 8 and 9 says very clearly, when you fail to tithe, you are robbing from God and keeping what you don't rightfully own. And when we again think about the life we have in Christ, we're saying all I am, all I have is yours, God. Use it for your benefit and your glory. So we need to hold what God has given us very, very loosely in our hands. And one of the calls upon us is to give to his work. If we hold that back, you're not stealing from SDBC. You're not stealing from the wider church community. You're stealing from God. We're not going to chase you down for it. But he will. He'll hold you accountable. Number 10 is something I find very, very interesting in the church and something that continues to happen. Not paying for the services of others. You know, there's so many people that think because there's someone in the church who can service cars, well, then they should service my car at at least a 50% discount or maybe even more. You know, or the electrician should come in and spend thousands of dollars upon my house and then I shouldn't have to pay them because my Christian brother should serve me. You know, and this is something that happens again and again and again. My wife's a dentist. We've actually had people who think that she should provide free dental service to them because they're part of the church and so are we. Say so, it. If anything, you guys should be willing to pay more for your Christian brothers and sisters who give you a good service, to encourage them, to strengthen them, build them up, and let them know, I appreciate the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given you. Do not ever ask a Christian in this church for a discount. Don't approach people in this place on Sunday and ask them about something at work. I was talking to a doctor in a Presbyterian church who had this lady say, I need you to come and see something. Took her into the toilets and yeah, showed her a very personal issue that she had just before they went to worship. My only response I could give to that doctor when she told me was, Hallelujah, sister. Seriously, people, let's respect those who are in our congregation doing good work. Honour them by using them and, in, and encouraging your friends to use them, but pay them what they deserve. Don't expect to get it any cheaper. You're stealing from them. You're Christian brother and sister. Number 11 is humiliating, bullying, degrading other people. And when we do that, such as Michael Chan did to me yesterday on a long ride, <laughs> why are you laughing? 
We lose our dignity. It had nothing to do with Michael, actually. It was all me. And bullying has become so widespread. It is so damaging. We've got young people suiciding because of the bullying that is occurring. This is a serious thing. It steals security. It steals dignity. And it needs to stop. We need to be willing to make that step. We need to be willing to step up when we see people being bullied or torn down or degraded by others. We need to stop it. Even when someone comes to you, did you hear what I heard? Whoop, stop. Go speak to them first, please. I'm not interested. That's the attitude we should have. Plagiarism is number 12. And, you know, like within university and college study and things like that, I found it very, very difficult. And of course, you're reading other people's material and you're using that to support your argument for whatever you're trying to present and you copy and paste quite a bit of stuff. But if you copy and paste and you don't actually say where you actually got that from, that's plagiarism. We had one very foolish young man who stood up uh, to give an oral presentation in our college and uh, he only got the first three lines out when the lecturer told him to sit down. He said, at least be decent enough to change some of the words in your presentation if you're going to plagiarise someone's work. The lecturer knew the piece very, very well. He'd used it several times in his own documents and this guy was just reading it verbatim and claiming it as his own. We can't do that. Photos from the web, copyright materials, all those things. Unless you say where you've got it from, you can't do it. It's plagiarism. You're stealing. Now, at the end of that, how's that little voice? Are we guilty of stealing stuff? Think of that list and don't make excuses. Let's ask God to reveal to us our attitudes and actions which show us to be those who do actually steal. We heard James 5, 1 to 5 being read out early this morning. And this is one of the strongest warnings that James actually has against man in the book of James. This is James, Jesus' brother. And when you first read through this, you might say, well, this is totally out of context with what we're actually doing here today. This has got nothing to do with stealing. And right at the beginning of this message and all throughout it, I've asked and emphasised that we need to be listening to what God has to say to us. And we shouldn't assume to say that this isn't about me. This has got nothing to do with me. We need to be listening to God through Holy Spirit. What he's saying to you, what he's touching your heart with. And this chapter of James 5 is James speaking to the rich of the world. And I've mentioned this before, I'm not sure if it's the morning service or not, but you know, here in Australia, by world standards, each and every person sitting in this room is rich. And I know for you that's very, very difficult to take, but there's this incredible website called Global Rich List. Here's something I prepared earlier. This is the Global Rich List. If you, go, you can go to this site and you can punch in whatever information you would like. The figure that's been put in there, I'm not sure if you can see it, is $37,398.40. That is the minimum wage in Australia today for 38 hour a week. That's the minimum wage. Okay, so if you're earning that sort of money, $37,398.40, where do you think you would stand in the world standings as far as your wealth? You're in the top 2.17% in the world. 
If you reduce that figure to about 20,000, you're still around the top 10% in the world. And I know because of what we have around us in Australia, we actually don't think we're rich. We actually don't think that we are that wealthy. But if one of you was to collapse right now, we know we can call an ambulance and get you to a hospital and that's not going to cost you anything. That's a benefit we have in this country that very, very few others do. If one of you don't actually have enough food or things like that, there's many services that you can go to where they will actually give you food for free. That's something that a lot of people in the world actually don't have. And so James 5.1 says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. So who is James speaking to? James is speaking to the ones who have more wealth than they can actually use. And he's calling on them and he's saying, the miseries that are coming upon you is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to come back and he's going to say, what have you done with the wealth that I've actually given you? How have you demonstrated a love for me and how you have actually used that? He's coming back to judge. It's something we don't like saying about Jesus, but it is part of the gospel message. What we've stored up what we've kept so that we can live well in retirement will be used in evidence against us. All our possessions will suddenly become liabilities because they will be the very things that Jesus points to and says, you stored this up. You know, we pray that prayer, part of the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. We seem to miss the underlying message in that prayer. We're asking for enough for today. And so the thinking is, if God pours out upon us more than we can use today, then we should pass some of the rest on. We should be willing to say, well, God has blessed me and blessed me abundantly, so I'm going to bless those around me as a result of that. I'm going to let others know God's blessing through me because he has allowed me to have more than I need. True religion, Scripture says. True religion is to what? Care for widows and orphans. It's about giving when we can. And if we don't, we're stealing from widows and orphans. And worse than that, we're stealing from the God who has blessed you and blessed me with those riches in the first place. And in this day and age, we have so many opportunities to bless others that Internet that so many of us think is all evil allows us to see right around the world instantaneously, allows us to contact people immediately all over the world. And it gives us so many opportunities to see into what is happening in the world and to be able to provide ways and means that we can actually support them. James 4.17 says, Whoever knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, sins. These aren't my words. These are God's words. This is his call upon our life. He's calling us as his people to use all we have. All I have is his. To use all we have for his kingdom and for his glory. All we have has to be held very, very loosely in our hands. We have to value Christ more than anything else. 
Think of the stories about the pearl in Scripture where the guy sold everything he had to possess that pearl. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about eternity with him. Our focus should be so much on what is to come that what we presently have fades. And if God calls us to give it up, we give it up willingly. Are we willing to release all we have if that's what God calls us to do? And if we're not, and please don't hear me wrong, I know that we have to have retirement plans in place, but not a luxurious life. That's not what we're called to. We should be free with what we've had. And let's face it, if God says, clear your superannuation, I want you to give it away, that's what you have to do. But he'll say that to you, not me. If we don't do it, all our wealth, all our possessions, that'll be evidence used against us come that day that we did not care about others. We did not love our neighbour. We're only thinking about ourselves, our future, and the future of our kids. Do you want to think that you can stand before God and justify what you've done, defend yourself, when all you've done is store up wealth? When in this day and age, people are suffering and dying because they don't even have the basics of life. What does this passage in James 5 tell us? You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts for the day of slaughter. God's word, not mine. You've brought this upon yourself. The incredible thing is, it doesn't have to be like that. You can make a decision today to change all of that. Don't steal from God any longer. What he's poured out upon you, he's done so that you can pour it out on others. The call upon our life is this new life in Christ where we will no longer steal anything from anyone. And our lives will be a very reflection of who Jesus is. Imperfect? Yes. But with that opportunity to continually come back to God and ask him to cleanse us and purify us and put us back into that right relationship with him so we can live afresh with him each and every moment of each and every day. That's what I believe we're called to do. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here. But we have an awesome opportunity as a church very, very soon. I've been seeking opportunity for our young people to go on a mission trip overseas. And I'm very excited to say it looks like we might be doing that with compassion. But we, as a people of God, have an opportunity to sponsor a whole village. That would be mind-blowing. Think about whether you want to be a part of that. There's going to be more promotion for that very, very soon. We're going to have a Compassion Day in October. And we're going to have that opportunity to bless a village, a whole village, by sponsoring those kids. I, for one, I'm sticking my hand up. I'm getting at least one kid. But we can do that. I've been in a church that's done it before. And the transformation, we actually did a village and a half. There was such a response. And the transformation for that village was phenomenal. Think about the things we can be doing for those who are suffering in the world. It's really not difficult these days. And if you have anything laid on your heart where God says you need to help, I'm happy to find things for you to do. I'm happy to help you sponsor a child, buy a chicken, buy a goat, whatever it takes. I think we should be doing more. And there's many opportunities in our local communities as well to serve. Let's just pray.
Father God, I thank you for your presence and love that you pour out upon us. I thank you for the wealth that we have. And Lord, I know that that possibly sticks in some people's throat, but Lord, you have just poured out abundantly upon us. And Lord, the call this morning isn't just to give for giving's sake. The call this morning is to respond to what you have said to each individual's heart. And I know you have moved here this morning by power of Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, for those that you have spoken to, I pray they will be bold enough to stand for you. I pray that they'll be bold enough to follow the conviction that you've come them this morning. Help them not to quell that. Help them not to suppress that. Let them say, yes, Lord, I will do this for you and your name, that you may be glorified. I am no longer going to steal, whether that be in the workplace, uh, in their communities, Lord, uh, stealing from you, not tithing, whatever it is, Lord, you know. And I pray that they will realise you do know. And then as a result, they should respond to you. So Father, for anyone who wants to talk this through, give them the courage to come forward. I'd love to pray with them. I'd love to celebrate with you and them. I'd love to just spur them on into this greater work for you, Lord. So continue your work as we sing and share communion together, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Charlie.